Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And Chris has reached a breakthrough. Have I? <laughs> you personally. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck? We've reached a breakthrough. Oh. Two masterpieces in a row. Oh, it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously you're always amazing, so you're always, you're always reaching a breakthrough. <laughs> Thanks. Um... Yeah, so, uh, the episode has started with compliments and it's not going to stop there because we have another fucking masterpiece. And this is our first of two Women in Horror Month episodes. So, uh, the whole of February is dedicated to uh, women in horror amongst uh, social media, I believe. And uh, I don't know if it's always been a thing, but uh, last year I noticed it for the first time and I thought it would make use of it with a podcast. Yeah, it's a very interesting subject, mm. you know. Uh, we're big horror film buffs and, you know... Well, if they don't know that by now, yeah, they're no. fucking out. <laughs> but the, the role of women is a massive very topic yeah. in horror. Huge. And, you know, there's many, many different angles you, you can look at the, the role of women in horror. Yeah, it's, it's always been present, right yeah. from the beginning of horror as, as a genre. Filmmakers themselves, yeah, um, antagonists, protagonists, yeah, yeah, and yeah, really, uh, you know, really it's, interesting. We're spending this week talking about a film that represents um, the more old school um, horror films with uh, you know centered around women, and next week we'll be speaking about something a little more modern, and uh, you know, throw around some comparisons with the two and uh, see how it's evolved. So. To kick us off, we are talking about Brian De Palma's Carrie, uh, adaptation of the infamous Stephen King novel. Uh, It's released in 1976 on a 1.8 million budget, and it cashed in over 33 million. Unsurprisingly. Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite the social, um, cultural phenomenon at the time. You know, referenced in loads of films. Still to this day. Still to this day, you know. Everybody knows this film. Like yeah. everybody's got stories, you know, relating to when they've watched the film. Or, um, my mum went to see it in the cinema, and and she's not a horror film fan, um, and she she loved it. She loves this film. I always remember this. It's a very it's a strange one actually. I remember as a kid, this would be on every single Christmas Eve on okay. TV. Um, which obviously it's not a Christmas film, but (laughs) every single Christmas Eve, this would always be on TV. And I was always curious as to, you know, what it was. And uh, I remember seeing the trailer a lot uh, as well. When I had a free DVD from HMV once with horror trailers on for Halloween. And, you know, this is before I was proper watching horror films. So I just uh, watched this trailer over and over again. And to be honest, I pretty much watched the film over and over again because the trailer for this film... Fuck me, it shows everything. It does show everything. You see the entire film in the trailer. But uh, when I first watched it, I was blown away. And I've watched it countless times now. And it it just gets better every time you watch it. Yeah. Yeah, It really does, actually. It it really does. Because uh, this is one of the few horror films to be nominated for Academy Awards. Yes. Uh, best actress for Sissy Spacek, who who I believe to be one of the greatest actresses to ever, ever be on screen. I I love her, and best supporting actress for Piper Laurie. 
Yeah. Um, who was phenomenal in this. So they were both absolutely phenomenal oh, yeah. in this film. You you can't deny that those nominations weren't deserved. I think they should have won. Uh, who won that year? I'm not sure, actually. Because, I mean, you know, it, it's very rare that you get a horror film nominated for Oscars. I mean, it comes every, every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Some might argue that the latest Oscar win for Best Picture is partially a bit of horror as well. I mean, this film itself is, um, on IMDb, it's classed purely as horror. Mm. But the the real horror doesn't happen until fairly later on in the film. Yeah. Um, it builds up and builds up. And... Well, this is what's strange about the marketing. The whole purpose of this film is its third act. Um, you know, and a lot of people overlook a lot of the stuff that happens before that. Um I mean, it's obviously the one famous scene is the prom scene in which Carrie gets covered in blood and, you know, telekinetically murders everybody. But um, it's, yeah, even the trailers, everything focuses on that third act, the posters. And it's quite a big spoiler, which is strange that you'd market a film around a spoiler. I'm assuming that the novel did really, really well. Have you read the novel? I haven't, no. I I did start it, um... I think you know that Stephen King um, is a difficult... Stephen King's a very acquired taste. Uh, it's... The way that the novel did it, um, and I only, in fairness, only got a few chapters into it, but it was doing it like it's an account of the story. Yeah. Uh, particularly from Sue's perspective. Well, this was Stephen King's first novel. Uh, it's actually his debut novel, if I'm correct. It was, yeah. yeah, and yeah. Uh, he was actually only paid two thousand five hundred dollars for the rights. Okay, but he he was happy with that because uh, he actually prefers the film to the book himself. I think a lot of people do. Yeah, actually. Yeah, if, he, I, if I remember correctly, um, Stephen King, his novels have led to some absolutely fantastic film oh yeah yeah uh, you recently um listened to uh the narration of it yeah and you weren't such a fan no it yeah it's um i read pet cemetery before that and pet cemetery i'd go as far as saying the novel is better than the film um but as far as it is concerned the films, both the miniseries and the uh, latest adaptations, are both so much better than the book. It's a very hard to very hard to read, or in my case, listen to book. Um, full of racism and homophobia, and I mean, I get it. He's trying to make his characters out to be pieces of shit, you know, to make the good characters more likable. But it it's just boring and uncomfortable, mm. um, and it's it's so dated and. There wasn't really much of that in Pet Cemetery, uh, so I don't know whether this would be similar, more similar to it or Pet Cemetery. But um, yeah, I'll probably listen to this eventually. But yeah, he uh, Stephen King is a very acquired taste. You've got to be uh, uh, I don't know what the word is. You got to you got to be prepared to to yeah. read one of his novels. Yeah, I think maybe his. The stories that he writes show a real f- imagination. Mm. You know, th- the story of Carrie is fantastic. Yeah. You know, what what an, an imagination to think of something like that. Yeah. 
Um, but maybe sometimes with his writing, the, 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 it doesn't work out the same. No, it's always a great story, but it's everything around the story that's... Yeah, uh, the execution isn't yeah. always as good as maybe it should be. I mean, he's very famous for not being able to write endings. Yeah. Um, so maybe he's not the greatest of writers per se, mm. but his imagination is second to none. Do you think Stephen King would be as popular as he is today... If it wasn't for Carrie. Um, because Carrie started off, you know, obviously as his first book, Carrie was made from that book. And yeah. then he started off the string of adaptations I, I, that came maybe, one after the other. Maybe. Maybe if Carrie hadn't done so well, the interest wouldn't have been there to keep doing Stephen King adaptations. Mm. Um, but they're so varied. Yeah. It's so, each one is so different. Um, you you can't. We all know what a Stephen King adaptation is because because we're film fans. Yeah. But you can't. You, you wouldn't watch Carrie and then watch Misery, and they'd be like, "Oh, this is definitely the same writer." Well, it's the same writer who did fucking Shawshank Redemption, like. Yeah, and Stand by Me. Mm. You know, great films. Some really wonderful films have come from his writing. Did you find out who won the best? I did, actress? and um, it was Faye Dunaway in Network. Oh, okay. So, yeah, okay. yeah, because that is a phenomenal... That is a good year. That about is a good year. Supporting Actress? And then Supporting Actress with Beatrice Strait in Network. Oh, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, um, I mean, we both love Network. It's yeah. such a good film. Well, um, speaking of the actresses, Sissy Spacek actually isolated herself during filming. Um, she decorated her dressing room with religious materials to get herself in the uh, in preparation for the character. Uh, it, it really shows because she is so believable in this role. Like, yeah, hugely. It's it's one of those roles where you forget you're watching Sissy Spacek because she is this character. And you know what? She was the same in uh, Coal Miner's Daughter as well. It's like I mean, I think those are the only two Sissy Spacek films I've seen. But it's kind of like she just loses herself in the roles that she's in. Yeah. Um, which is, She's you know, great. phenomenal in Three Women. Yeah. The I, Robert Altman film. Uh, Nancy Allen and Piper Laurie actually thought their characters were supposed to be comedic. Yeah, I could see why Nancy Allen would think um, that she had a, the comedy role. Yeah. Um, because they, they, they do bicker a lot and they are quite silly. Piper Laurie, I think... Um, Maybe reading the script, she could have thought it was a black comedy. Yeah. And I think particularly with hers and Sissy Spacex roles in the wrong hands, it would have been laughable. Yeah. Um, it, it could have led to very hammy performances mm-hmm. uh, or, or too much melodrama and... Fortunately for us, having having seen the film, that's not true. And they both did wonderfully. Uh, Betty Buckley slapped uh, Nancy Allen 30 times because Brian De Palma wanted her to actually do a real slap. <laughs> and, uh, just to... and, and then Nancy Allen married him. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to give you some of the ages of, uh, of the cast members of this film, Betty Buckley plays a gym teacher and she's 28. Sissy Spacek plays Carrie, who's 17 years old, and she's 26. 
And then uh, Nancy Allen and PJ Souls also play students within the school, and they were both 25. <laughs> and you can tell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As, as much as I don't think this film has aged in a lot of areas, I think the casting, <laughs> all fantastic performances, but you can tell that these are not fucking kids. No. no. Uh, whereas the... Um, I mean, if you compare it to some of the later versions where they actually cast kids, like, well, in the Chloe Moretz version... Um, I, mean, I don't think we should discuss the made for TV. It doesn't look that great. Um, uh, but but in in relation to that, this did spawn a sequel, um, the Rage Carry Two, and <laughs> yeah. two remakes. And two remakes. I think I think sometimes they they call themselves a reimagining of the novel. The twenty, I want to say thirteen film with Chloe Moretz is very much a scene for scene remake. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's a few minor things added in where they didn't really have special effects within the original, um, like a few explosions and the special mm-hmm. effects and so, like the whole prom scene is more like a funnel destination, um, premonition scene. I see. It, it, yeah, it plays out more like that. Um, Julianne Moore is phenomenal. In the sure. role, yeah. Chloe Moretz is great. Uh, you know, there's some good performances, but it is it's pretty much scene for scene. It also spawned a musical. It did. A Broadway musical. Started here in the UK um, and then moved over to Broadway. Didn't last very long. Got some real scathing reviews. Um, from what I've seen of, like, clips on, on YouTube, um, it's got a few bangers in there. I, I do quite <laughs> like the music. Um, but the st- the staging was very strange, and they were all wearing sort of maybe like futuristic outfits for some reason. Yeah, go on YouTube and search "Carried a Musical." You won't regret it. It is, uh, yeah. I I feel like it's now a bit of a camp classic. Yeah. Um. So it, if hopefully they might bring it back and uh, we can go see it sometime. That would be amazing. Um, none of the Bible passages read by Pipolari are real. Did you know that? No, I didn't, but it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's basically just her making a show. And it, that kind of adds to her character as well. Um, you know, she's very anti-sex and claims to be very religious, but, you know, it's... There's so many ways you can interpret her character. This is a very... And, and I know we're discussing it in terms mm. of representation of women, and we, we won't discuss the whole of it in, in those terms... Um, because a massive theme in this film as well is religion. I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to reel off the last few facts and then we'll have a little discussion about the representation and then as we discuss the film like we normally would, there's so many moments we could bring up within it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Speaking of women in horror, women in film in general, Steven Spielberg was invited to the set by Brian De Palma because of all the cute girls and he asked most of them out and pestered them most of the time. <laughs> I think Sissy Spacek was married at the time to Jack Fisk. Yeah. Um, but Steven Spielberg ended up marrying Amy Irving. Yeah. So he must have got some success. must have got somewhere. A little, uh... The big rumour, I'm not sure if you have it down as a fact, but the big rumour about this film was that they were holding auditions, uh, Brian De Palma and George Lucas at the same time. Yes, and Carrie Fisher auditioned for the role of Carrie. Yeah, could you imagine? That's I know. What? Sissy Spacek as uh, Princess Leia. It gets stranger though. Oh. Glenn Close and fucking Linda Blair. 
Wow. And Linda Blair didn't want to take the role because of being typecast, but it actually would have been a child in the role. Yes. A very young child, because Linda Blair was 13 when The Exorcist came out, so she yeah. would have been about... This 15, is 1976. Yeah, yeah. And with the shower scenes and stuff, did they really audition for this? It's a little weird. Maybe they, the, the shower scenes wouldn't have been as explicit yeah. as they were. I mean, the, the, I'm assuming it's not as explicit in the remake. Uh, it is. Is it? It is, yeah. I, the, it's in the same sort of style. I mm. can't remember if you've seen Nudity, but it's in a very, very similar style. Um... Or is, I, I can't remember, but yeah, it, it is similar. I remember it being similar. <laughs> if you were straight, and it involves, it, inv- him. <laughs> it yeah, it, it involves camera phones. I remember that. Um, yeah, yeah, of, of course. That's the one modern, thing. The modern, modern version. Horror. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's the one thing it does is it, it makes it more modern. Um, Martin Scorsese watched the cinema. It watched this film in the cinema three times, and it's one of Tarantino's many, many, many favorite films. <laughs> yeah. I mean. You know, I mean, that's just, that says a lot, that alone says, you know, the impact this film has. I mean, uh, Quentin Tarantino, every film's his favourite film. But Martin Scorsese watched it three times in the cinema. Yeah. And this would be when he's making films. And, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. And and even from a non-horror sort of horror film fan mm. perspective, the filmmaking is this is exceptional. Oh, Brian Palmer's a genius. I've, I've, I, I'm in the school of thought that, holds Brian De Palma to be a filmmaking god. He is. I, I mean, you look at really, what he's made. Uh, the ang- camera angles and the music the s- in this film as well. And I know that's not Brian De Palma. That's... Well, I mean, it just the cinematography yeah. in general, it's it's mind-blowing. It it's is. some of the best it really in, in any horror film. It, yeah. You know, it is obviously just introduced this famous um, split-screen yeah method of filmmaking it's everything about it. I mean this is a guy that's made the likes of Dress to Kill Phantom of the Paradise Mission Impossible Scarface this there's no word we could do a whole episode on Brian De Palma we could and really. it still wouldn't be enough time to discuss we it we need because, to do a marathon of, of Brian De Palma yeah. films what, what a versatile filmmaker the his back catalogue's insane yeah I yeah. don't know if he's ha- if he's as good these days um, he did release something recently that looked all dodgy. Um, but finally, my final fact I've got here is Sissy Spacek insisted that she had to do the final jump scare scene in which her hand comes out of the okay, uh, crowd. Okay, so that's her hand. And Brian De Palma basically kept saying to a lot, are you sure you want to do this? They were going to get a stunt double and she's like, no, I have to do it. I have to do every scene. And that's why she's that a legend. Commitment. So, um, quickly touching on this uh, as an overall sort of thing with the female representation... Um, we're going to reel off some characters because there is a wide range of representation in this film. So obviously starting off with Carrie, mm. this is a role that could be interpreted as a protagonist and an antagonist. Yeah. I mean, and I think... I mean, she she ends up killing innocent people. Yeah, yeah, she does. Uh, the amount of shit she goes through before that it makes her so likable, which you know, it really gives some, uh, some, a bit of a thinking workout for the is viewer. Is she likable though? I th- I think really. I think the gym teacher sums it up quite well. Mm. And forgive me, I will be referring to her as the gym teacher. For oh yeah, I've got it this. in my notes. When she says that she, sort of, understood where the girls were coming from. Like she just wanted to shake her and mm. say, "Wake up!" Yeah, you know, get a grip. 
But then this leads on to Margaret White, her mother, and Carrie wouldn't be the way she is if it weren't for Margaret. Exactly, exactly. So she is a sim- she's a very sympathetic character, and I viewed this film as a tragedy. Yeah. Um, it's a very tragic story. Uh, Carrie is a very tragic figure. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you... Uh, I mean... Obviously, with the topic of women in horror, I mean, Carrie as a character within the horror genre, at the time of release, I can't think of any other character similar to that. It was it was kind of it's kind of groundbreaking because what was released before this? So this was shortly before Halloween. Yeah. Um, but it was also after Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Black Christmas. So it was kind of a. The beginning of the slasher craze, so a lot of the women in horror at that stage were, you know, victims turned fighters, and Carrie is very much a victim, but then it's different to how the other women are victims in the films I just mentioned. Yeah. Who Carrie was fighting was other women. Yeah. Whereas... Sally in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm. she's very much fighting against men. Yeah. You know, and and uh, I've, I've read up uh, a little um, on, on the subject um, and I read somewhere, forgive me, um, I do forget where it was, um, that, that said that the killers in Texas Chainsaw Massacre... Mm. are not only just men, but they're men that have never seen... You know, they haven't seen a woman since their grandmother died. And she's petrified up in the friggin' loft. Yeah. You know, so this is very much man versus woman. Mm. Whereas in Carrie, yes, you know, the, the catalyst probably was Margaret White being left by her husband... That's why mm. Margaret White was the way... I mean, there were inklings of her being, you know, super crazy before that. But the catalyst was her husband leaving her. Yeah. But Carrie has to fight women throughout the whole film. Yeah. And it's very... And I can't think of another film that's like that at that time. No, no. By, by 1976. No. A horror film where it's women... Versus women, really. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's why it's a good, good thing you picked this film for this uh, for this type of episode. Mm. Because it it really does have all sorts of representation. Because, I mean, like I said, a real enough characters. You've got Carrie and Margaret. They're, you know, we've just, we've just discussed those. And then you've got the school friends, which all kind of fall into the same category. Because, I mean, this film starts with them mocking her, all of them, you know, Sue Snell included, and uh, ends with all of them, even the gym teacher who, you know, you kind of have a bit of hope in, you know, in, in being a protagonist. Even she's laughing at her in the prom scene. But I is, mean, that's up to interpretation, whether, whether she's actually laughing at her or not. I don't think for a second that she was. No. I don't think for a second that she was. But you could take it in the way that she was. You know, it, it leaves it up to the viewer. So it's. I think it's very, very interesting the way it deals with that and with these other side characters as well. But, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll get into it. 
Uh, anyway, so the plot is Carrie White, a shy, friendless teenage girl who's shouted by a religious mother, unleashes her telekinetic powers after being humiliated by her classmates at a senior prom. As I mentioned earlier, again, focusing on the third act of the film. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we start the film with a softball game. Is that the right term? Volleyball. Volleyball, you know, and great at sports. Um, with the opening credits and the fantastic score. Um, and then we get a Steamy Girls locker scene with uh, a lot of gratuitous... Gratuitous... Get the words out in a minute. Gratuitous nudity. Um, there's a bit of slow motion showering with Carrie. And she gets her period. And uh, before we move on from that... What can be said about that opening sequence? I mean... So, the volleyball game, um, what we hear is, hit it to Carrie, she'll yeah. blow it. And Carrie's a very mousy girl at the back, not getting involved. And do you know what? She does blow it. Yeah. <laughs> they hit it to her, and she does blow it. And she's told to eat shit on the way back to the locker room. So we get get it straight away. Yeah, you, she, you know she, straight away. She she's not the prom. Well, she will be the prom queen eventually, but she certainly ain't at the beginning of the film. Um, and then we get that slow motion, and it, it is pretty much softcore porn. Yeah, really. But it, it's weird though, because as much as it is pretty much softcore porn, I I don't know. It it's kind of weird how I, I don't know if it is fully sexualized. I mean, you know, these are meant to be. 17 year old kids were watching yeah which is it's very weird and i find it very weird in a lot of the 70s and 80s horror films where i mean nowadays nudity in horror film isn't quite as present as it was back then uh, and i think that's probably because you know the actors that are cast nowadays are the actual ages of the characters they're meant to be mm. whereas back then you know a lot of the time they'd show you these characters um that are meant to be school kids you know in a lot of nudity based scenes because uh, they're obviously played by older actors and actresses. Um, but yeah, this scene, this whole scene is very strange because, I mean, you look at it compared to, like I said, other horror films at that time. None of them had an introduction like this. You wouldn't even think it's a fucking horror film. No. Um, and it, it, it's it's not... Ex- I don't feel like it's celebrating the female body or no. the female and this is Yeah, this is what I'm getting at. This is, this is what I mean. It's, I, the whole idea is nudity and particularly female nudity in horror films let's be clear here yeah um is there to titillate a straight male audience yeah it's as simple as that uh-huh. um what some people may say is that it lures you into a false sense of security and i think maybe this is what was being conveyed yeah in this and it is very much titillating it, it is it, it's girls in a locker room you know fucking nancy allen you know she's fully nude mm. and she's whipping someone with a towel like come on yeah you know uh, <laughs> you talk about cliched but the whole idea is that it lures you into a false sense of security you know as a straight male guy or, or even us really watching um you're sort of like, oh, you know what's going on here. Um, you're intrigued. You don't think something horrific's gonna happen. No. We go to Sissy Spacek in the shower, and she's 
She's sort of lavering up quite seductively yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, it's very it's slow motion. There's a filter, you know, uh, very much softcore porn mm. filter on there. And then we get the blood. Yeah. And it changes and the score changes and, you know, we ain't slow-mo anymore. And let's face it, we don't really... I mean, we, we do because we've watched it a thousand times, but as a first-time viewer... I didn't assume that was her period. No. Straight away. Because, I mean, again, I had it in my mind, I'm watching a horror film. Mm. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of gives you that same sort of confusion as Carrie in that scene until they start saying what it is. And then you're like, oh, shit, that makes sense. I can't believe they just went there mm-hmm. in, in the opening minutes of this film. I mean, because, you know, as much as it shouldn't be, I mean, sure, back then, showing something like this would have been quite... Taboo, really. Well, it was. And it, I, to be fair, it, I feel like it still is. Yeah. And it, it's difficult. It, I mean, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, you know, a stigma to talk about that sort of no. thing. Uh, you know, it's perfectly normal. It's a difficult one because we're two gay guys here, you know, sat talking about what it must feel like to be a woman. You know, we don't know. Yeah. But with the films that we watch, a lot of them are quite female orientated, mm. and there's not much talk about periods. No, really, um, and it, it is quite a taboo subject. Yeah. It's not really talked about much in film, and you know, it's yeah, and it would have been a. A little bit groundbreaking. I mean, I mean, it's from the novel as well. Yeah, I mean, sitting there, the, the more I think about it, you know, you look at, obviously, like you said, you know, we're two gay guys sitting here watching this film. For me, I felt uncomfortable. Like, but when, when, like when I watched it with, uh, with your mum, for example, or when I watched it with my family, I, I felt uncomfortable during the nudity scene. I mean, even, you know, watching it now, it's, it's very much like, you know, something that I'm not very interested in, of course, but, you know, it, it's a very uncomfortable scene with the wrong audience. And then when that happens, it kind of gives you that, you know, that sort of reminder that, hang on, you're watching real women here that yeah. are not... And I, I really respect Brian De Palma for including that scene. He didn't have to include that he, he, in such a graphic manner anyway. But then I'm thinking, if you're watching this as a straight, as a straight male, then it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of funny how you'll be very drawn in by the nudity and everything, and then it kind of swaps. You'd feel more uncomfortable by the period scene happening because you're drawn in watching this like it's some sort of softcore porn. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, boom, there's some blood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And an, an audience would be so horrified by that. Yeah. You, you know. And I think that's probably what, what we're trying to get yeah, at. Yeah. Is that it's, it's perfectly natural and it's perfectly normal. And like I was saying before, when we realise that it's just a period, mm. we're like, calm down, love. Yeah. You know? We're yeah. like, you know, and and it doesn't excuse any of the behaviour no, after that. No. We are a bit like, oh, calm down. Her. Yeah. Y- you know? Yeah, and then obviously, you know, she's not aware of what it is because of her shouted lifestyle. So, um, moving on from that, she's clearly terrified. She has no idea what's going on. Um, all of the other girls start shouting, plug it up at her. Um, start throwing sanitary start, products yeah. at her. She's um, cowering, cowering in the corner. So she's gone to them for help. Yeah. She's got... She thinks she's dying. She, 
Um, she's got blood all over her hands. She's wiping it on them as, as she's asking yeah. for help. And instead of help, what she gets is, you know, tampons thrown at yeah. her. And, and she's, uh, you know, made to feel embarrassed and ashamed. Yeah. And the gym teacher comes through. She's absolutely fuming, um, you know, starts telling the girls to stop it. Um and then she tries calming Carrie down because obviously she isn't aware as to why you know <coughs> Carrie's like this. So she ends up slapping her, um, and there's a lot of slaps in this. There's, film. there's a lot of slaps, and that's highlighted more in the remake. The fact that like oh you slapped a child and whatever, and like that's I always get confused between the two films when uh, which one that scene comes in, and yeah that's highlighted more in the remake. But um, yeah, in this one it's kind of just let go. Um, because Carrie's not the only girl that gets slapped by the gym teacher. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, Carrie, just, because at, at this stage, the, the score has stopped. Um, the, the slow-mo, you know, kind of dreamy score that mm. you hear throughout the start of the film. Uh, it stops when she starts freaking out, and then a light bulb smashes above her, and we get the, uh, psycho theme, <laughs> what it sounds like for yeah. a few seconds. Yeah, very influenced. I mean, I mean, Brian De Palma is massively influenced yeah. by Hitchcock, um, and uh, uh, this isn't. Uh, it's a little off topic, but you you said about the trailer giving away the whole film and yeah. the advertising, all about that one scene. Mm. So, do you think that, you know, this whole build up to that scene? Yeah. Do you not feel like because as an audience we already know what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Does that not just really build tension oh, massively? Oh, absolutely! There's... and it gets, and it gets you to feel for Carrie, and it gets you to know Carrie. Yeah, and but you in the back of your head you're like, I know what's going to happen. It's it's a it's one of those <coughs> films like there's there's only a few films. Um, that I could watch time and time again and still feel tense watching them, even though I know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I mean, you, you've got the likes of uh, The Exorcist, you know, REC, uh, Halloween, and then you've got this as well. These films, they, you know, they're so great at tension building. Um, and I think Brian De Palma in particular, you know, because he's such an expert, it, it just, it remains effective. And like you said, knowing, even first time watching it, knowing that was going to happen... It is a tension builder. It, yeah. it does work really well for it. Um, so, moving on from that scene, we go to the principal scene, which is uh, has the principal of the school uh, <laughs> calling her by her wrong name. Yeah, and this principal is there to oversee the school. Yeah. And he's there to protect her. Yeah. He's the principal. And he doesn't even know her he name. He doesn't even know her name. Keeps but calling he doesn't Cassie. even care enough... To get it right. Yeah. Even though he's been corrected. Yeah, corrected he's, by he gym give, teacher. He doesn't give two shits. Um, and, and and again, it, it's a male character in this film mm. that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Um, this film is about women. Yeah. Um, the male characters really <laughs> didn't necessarily need to exist. No. Obviously they do to make it a believable story. Yeah. But they're, they're in absolutely no way the emphasis of this film. Yeah, so he keeps calling her Cassie... And uh, and then she's like, "Would you like to do any impression?" No, <laughs> it's Carrie. <laughs> and uh, an ashtray flies up in the air. So at this stage, you're like, "Okay." I, I like I said, if you've seen the trailer, you know what's going down here. Yeah. 
So, uh, Carrie's on her way home from school, and I know you want to do this impression. <laughs> so she's, she's been sent home from school, and she's walking down the street, and there's this kid on a bike who should still be in school. Yeah. Um, I don't know why he's just riding his bike around. Um, but he, yeah, he says, uh, Creepy Carrie, creepy Carrie. <laughs> It wasn't that kid's voice, was it? Fun fact, it was Betty Buckley who plays the gym teacher who did that voice. Um, and she uses, seemingly uses her telekinetic powers to, to knock, knock him off, him his, off bike. his bike. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because the, the kid, why would they have Betty Buckley do the voice? <laughs> yeah, did that, could that kid just not talk? Like... I know. You could just have a kid say Creepy Gary. <laughs> Anyway. Then we're introduced to Margaret White, who visits Sue Snell, who's one of the um, school kids, uh, yeah. visits her mum. She's bought in some massive hair and a cape. Oh, my God. She looks something. I, I don't even know the she's word. She's like a Scottish widow. <laughs> brave. The, the, um, the protagonist from Brave. She's got brave. Brave's hair, and she's dressed like the Scottish widow, so there we go. <laughs> so she goes there to do a bit of preaching to Sue's mum. Sue's mum's not interested in the slightest. And uh, that was played by Priscilla... Yeah, Amy Irvin's actual mum. Actual mum and star of... Not like Marion Elm Street 3. Marion Elm Street 3. Is she a nurse? Yeah, she's the doctor. Ah. Cool. So, um, <laughs> yeah, she goes to visit Sue Snell's mum. She tells her, I pray you find Jesus. Um, Sue Snell's mum gives her... Uh, some money is like, oh, it's a donation. Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, so Margaret's saying that she's there on the Lord's work rather than talking about, you know, Sue and, and Carrie. And um, Sue's mum suggests that Carrie maybe goes round sometime for dinner. And, yeah. You know, they're in the same class. And, and Margaret sort of is like, no, I'm here on the Lord's work. Yeah. So, you know... That carries issues as mm-hmm. stemming from her mum straight away. You know, her mum doesn't want her to have any friends. Yeah. Her mum doesn't have any friends. No. God is her only friend. No. You know, and uh, Margaret talks about a teenager's path to salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. To which uh, Sue's mother replies that Sue is a good girl. Yeah. And Sue wouldn't um, really be interested in any of that. No. Um, but, you know, from what we've seen, Sue isn't that good. No. You know, she, she, she was there. Out of all the girls, she redeems herself the most. She showed remorse straight yeah. away. Once the gym teacher, you know, stopped it, you could see that she was showing remorse. Yeah. Whereas the others still thought it was a funny joke. Yeah. And I think it's important to show Sue's mum because then you've got that balance there showing, you know, what a good mum's like compared to uh, Margaret White and the difference between kids as well. Because like I said, Sue does go on to redeem herself and even like doing a good deed as the film goes on. Uh, and then the scene that does between her and Carrie with the two upbringings as well. I think it's a, a very good uh, a very good comparison between the two. To yeah. Include I, 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 she's not in it a lot, but, you know, no. I, I think it's good to I feel like Sue Snell well. is... Maybe the kind of character that we, as, as an audience, um, we understand the most. Yeah. I, I think she's maybe... And it's probably why in the novel it's told from her perspective. Um, 
or at least what I read mm. was sort of from her perspective because she's the character that maybe um, we see some of ourselves in. Yeah. Maybe peer pressure has taken us to that point mm-hmm. before and we've shown remorse, you know, and Sue is the one that says, you know, I don't care what people think. Mm. So when it all, when she does suggest that Tommy take Carrie to the prom, she's the one that says, I don't care what people think. Yeah. You know, um, so maybe that's the kind, as an audience, she's the one that we associate most with because we've probably all been in those situations where peer pressure's taken us to a place where we didn't want it to to go, particularly in school. Mm. Um, But yeah, I I think she's an interesting character. Yeah. So after uh, visiting Sue Snell's mum, Margaret goes home and we get some fantastic cinematography in this scene. It has a kind of like hazy filter over it and you'll get to see this again as the film goes on. Yeah, and and it it tends to be the White House. It does, yeah. Has that about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Margaret goes home, she receives a phone call from the school. Um, She has to speak to Carrie Taz, she's a woman now. And she starts hitting her with, uh, with the Bible. Yeah. Starts telling them that the first sin was intercourse and that Eve was weak. Yeah, she... she So, uh, Carrie's upset and she, she asks why her mother never told her about a period or, or what a period was and that it was going to happen at some point. Um, if she had, then what had happened, it wouldn't have happened. She wouldn't have been so mm. scared. And... Um, Margaret says that Eve released the raven upon the world and the raven was called sin. So it's a very religious idea and it's, you know, the whole idea is that Eve took the bite from the apple in the Garden of Eden mm. and all the shit things in the world are because of Eve. Yeah. Um, which is awful. <laughs> which is an awful thing to preach to people. Um because therefore women have been cursed and Margaret believes that periods and having to, you know, having to birth children is the curse Mm. upon women Um, because women are inherently shit. (laughs) Because not, I know when, I don't even, I'm not even sure she whacks her with the Bible because nothing that what she's saying is even in the no, Bible. No, it's true, it's true. So whatever, you know, crazy fucking religious book that yeah. she's got, that's what she hits her with. Yeah, and it's in this scene where you really get to see both of their performances. Their yeah. chemistry is on another level. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they both bounce off each other is fucking insane. Um it's two of the greatest performances in horror history. It's it's mad. It, it really is. Because like, even when... Because uh, after this bit, Margaret drags Carrie into uh, a cupboard beneath the stairs. And the screaming from Sissy Spacek in this scene mm. is just fucking... It gives you goosebumps. You know, yeah. no matter how many times you watch it, it's it's crazy. But, you know, it and again, it, it makes the Oscar nominations all the more worth it. Exactly. So Carrie's locked in a cupboard under the stairs with a very scary-looking Jesus who you said looks like Brian May. It does look like Brian May. Very creepy Brian May. Yeah. Jesus the, figure. The eyes are lighting up. Um, it, it, it's terrifying. 
And we get a little while later where Carrie comes out of the cupboard and she goes up to her mum and says thank you. Uh, which, yeah, it just shows you how much of a mess their life at home is. She's... Carrie is... Li- and quite literally when she was smacked with that book... Yeah. Um, she's very clearly being um, suppressed and um, forced down Yeah. by her mum's crazy religious antics yeah essentially and um she thanks her mum for i don't know teaching her a lesson what yeah. lesson would she fucking learn yeah uh, uh you, you, at this stage you you know it's easy to ask yourself is she thanking her because she believes this herself or thanking her just for an easy life to get away maybe because then she goes into a room she cries into a mirror and the mirror smashes into little pieces and, uh, you know, we're made to believe she builds a mirror back, but the mirror doesn't quite look how it looked in the previous No, <laughs> no. Um, so the next day, uh, we're shown Carrie in class with uh, all the other school kids, and the teacher is the embodiment of every slimy Stephen King character. Like, the Stephen King characters are all written, all the bad ones are written to be like this guy, just like really greasy and got a horrible attitude on him. Yeah, he's he's horrible. He's reading out this poem and we find out that it's Tommy Ross's poem. And Tommy Ross is the... Uh, Boyfriend of Seuss now. Yeah, but he's introduced to us. He's the, the good-looking, <laughs> blonde guy. Good-looking in quote marks. He, he also looks like the oldest member of the cast. Yeah. He's also meant to be a school kid, but he looks like he's about 40. I think he went for Luke Skywalker. Did he? Yeah, oh, during those auditions. Uh, William Cat, this is. <laughs> and um, so he's reading this poem, and he asks the class if they have any criticism. And Carrie showing a, a moment of... Um, Confidence <laughs> explains that it was beautiful. Yeah. And this horrible, greasy, awful um, English teacher who's out to embarrass anyone he can um, to make himself feel better um, starts sort of ridiculing Carrie, doesn't he? Yeah. And um, another male figure in the school that should yeah. be there to protect her. Who isn't? It's basically joining in. Exactly. Uh, and Tommy Ross stands up for her. Um, basically tells the teacher he sucks. And yeah, uh, it's at that stage where you realise that Tommy's a little different as well compared to everybody else. Mm. Um, I think he's probably the most important male character in the film. Yeah. Um, it, it's his... Um, I, I, I don't feel like it was ever his decision to no. take Harry to the prom. No, no, but... By the time, again, like Sue, by the time it gets to that, you know, as the film goes on and gets to the third act, mm. you can tell he's genuinely just a nice person. Yeah. Um, but the next scene is one of the most iconic scenes in the film, for me anyway. We practically get a reading session with the gym teacher. <laughs> this is so camp and over the top. I love it. It's incredible. <laughs> They're uh, they're having their gym class, Carrie not included, of course, because she's, uh, she's got off gym now for a few weeks. She looks through the window, doesn't she? Yeah. There's graffiti underneath um, that says, Carrie White. Eat shit. Eat shit. So. Um, 
And so they're having their gym class and uh, the gym teacher brings it to a halt and wants to speak to them all. She goes up to Chris and says to her, spit out that gum. And uh, Chris says, where shall I put it? She goes, you could choke on it for all I care. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and uh, she goes up to PJ Souls, uh, star of Halloween and Rock and Roll High School, and uh, says to her, wipe that smirk off your face, Nora. Norma. 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 Uh, and then she tells them they all did a shitty thing and uh, basically gives them a speech on how they're uh, going to have to do 50-minute detention in her class every day on an athletic field. And the punishment, if they skip it, is three days suspension and refusal of their prom tickets, which Chris is absolutely fuming about. She is. And uh, the gym teacher asks, you know, did any of you stop to think maybe Carrie White has feelings too? Mm-hmm. And she explains that if they don't go to the detention, that they'll be refused their prom ticket. Mm -hmm. And she said that would really hit them where it hurt. Because these girls are at the stage of their life where the most important thing to them in, in their life is being able to go to the prom with their handsome men. Whereas Carrie's problem is that crazy mum at home mm. who smacks her and drags her around and doesn't allow her to be a normal person. Yeah, and this is what I meant by, you know, rooting for Carrie. Because, I mean, especially in this scene, it's kind of highlighted that these girls are very, in a way, more privileged yeah. um, than Carrie. And, you, you know, you want her to be able to go to the prom. You want her to, you know get away from that shattered lifestyle that she's living in with her mum. Well, I know I did anyway. And it kind of gives you that, you know, that sense of her being her protagonist because you want this for her. Yeah. You know, you want to see her succeed. And Some people have read into the, the, the story that it's a little insulting to women, the idea that all Carrie needed or all Carrie ever wanted was to go to the prom with a handsome man. Well, that's her wanting so hard to be a normal... Normal person. ...person. She wants to be that person where that is the biggest issue they have, where that is the most important thing. And it's not anything, really, I don't think, to be snide about. If, If that's all she wants in life is to be a normal girl... Yeah then, you know, props to her. Some people read into her telekinesis as being homosexuality. Um, okay. Which, I mean, I, I it, you know, if that is the case, that's a bit of a negative. Uh, yeah. You know, she uses it to murder everybody, but... Um, <laughs> yes, no, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about <laughs> I, I that. I don't quite agree myself, but it's a, it's a topic that's gone around the internet uh, a fair bit. I'm not sure what... Th- I mean, now you've mentioned it, mm. I don't know what the telekinesis could be. Maybe it's just, uh, you know, a horror. It could have just been wrote about any thought put into it whatsoever. But really? do you know what? There probably is countless theories you could think of for it. You I, know, if, her, if the yeah. end point was for her to go mental mm. at the prom, and seek revenge on those she thinks have wronged her then the telekinesis is just a means to an end, mm. essentially, because she's not really going to go around with an axe. Or anything, yeah. you know, she's not yeah. Jason Voorhees yeah. here. 
she's she's not seven foot with a machete. So if that's just how the story leads, you know, then maybe. I'm not sure if Stephen King fall out too much no. into it. Um, well, we get uh, we get to see some of the detention that's mentioned in the uh, previous scene, and the music in this sequence is incredible. I'm not even sure what instrument is being used, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> it's amazing, and uh, oh god, yeah! It's edited in time with the girls doing their uh, the detention. And Chris has had enough of it. She's like, I ain't doing this no more. So she uh, tells the gym teacher she's not doing it. And she gets a sm- massive smack in the face. She does get a massive slap. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Nancy Allen's face is red afterwards. Yeah, it is. And it, what's even better about this scene is the fact that everybody else turns their back on her as well. Because uh, they ain't missing out on air prom for her. No. She ain't that important. Um, we didn't see Carrie reading up on miracles and telekinesis. This is when you get your first indication as to what's going on with that. But I also think the girls turning their back on Chris is an admission of their guilt. And yeah. what they did was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, a character like Norma, maybe not. Yeah. Um, it really... She, she looks doesn't... quite conflicted because, I mean, I think she agrees with Chris that she doesn't want to do this detention and she thinks it's bullshit, but at the same time, I, yeah, I don't mean she regrets what she did to Carrie. No. But at the same time, she doesn't want to miss out on going to prom. No, no. And eventually Norma is quite um, a key figure in the eventual yeah. uh, prom breakdown. Um, <coughs> so after this, Sue asks Tommy to take Carrie to the prom. Um, at, at this stage, we just get that question. Um, and then it comes back to it a little later on. But before it does, we get Chris in the car with a boyfriend, Billy Nolan, played by John Travolta in his first film role. Yeah, I found it really weird in the trailer that it picked up John Travolta so much when it was his he, first film role. It wasn't a TV show before this, though. Oh. And it was quite popular. And Brian Palmer apparently didn't know about it before casting him. He was in a TV show. Yeah, and it was it was quite popular, so I think that's why they're a bit... All, why they were uh, like... Introducing this... John Travolta. Yeah, I just found it a bit weird. It, like At the time, it was like, did you know he was going to become a big star? Yeah, I mean, you, in Nightmare on Elm Street, you don't see... Introducing Johnny Depp. No, you don't, no. Um, no, he, he was in a TV show, yes, I know. Yeah. His acting's fucking iffy in this. <laughs> Yeah. He, he um, yeah, it's, it's not kind of, I wouldn't say it's over the top, but it's, it's not, he it, it just hams it up a fair bit, but it, it's just not great. <laughs> He's all right. It's all right. He's not, he doesn't need to be. No, I, no. Again, this is just another male character, but it's just a means to an end. You know, this. Uh, Billy is just the person who allows Chris to get what she wants. Yeah. Um, he doesn't. In fairness, I, I don't. I don't think he particularly cares either way. Um, yeah. He just goes with the flow. Well, um, he spills a drink on Chris and gets called a, a dumb shit, and 
That leads to her getting a second she slap of the day. Another slap. Although his one was nowhere near as good as uh, the gym teacher's one because you could tell he's scared to touch her face. He, you yeah. can see his hands backing away a bit. He's backhanded. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they uh, they pull up in uh, in a car park, and uh, we get a rather um, rather unusual blowjob scene where. Chris is sucking him off, but she's still talking, like, in a very clear voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what she's doing down there. Yeah. She's certainly had nothing in her mouth. Either that or, or John Travolta hasn't got much to brag about. Um, it's... But she's using sex to get what she wants. Yeah. She? She's still talking about Carrie whilst giving him a blowjob. <laughs> yeah. Um, to, to his response is, who's Carrie White? <laughs> Uh, and then it, that's intercut with uh, Tommy agreeing to take Carrie to the prom. And uh, and then the scene after that is when Tommy actually asks Carrie to go to the prom. Uh, Carrie w- runs away because, I mean, she thinks what everyone else is thinking that, you know, knows about the situation. I mean, which is just a gym teacher shortly. Uh, you know, something's got to be up there. Something's not right. Um, yeah, a little out of the blue. Gonna play a a, a prank. Yeah. But then probably also thinking, what would my mum think? Yeah. You know what? What would Margaret White? How would she react? Yeah. To this. Yeah. So she runs away. Um, the gym teacher comforts her a bit, you know, and uh, tries encouraging her. Taz basically tells her to believe in herself a little more. Yeah, and and again we we see the gym teacher sort of saying what we're thinking like you know get a grip Mm. get a hold of yourself um and it's a difficult one because her way of you know bigging up carrie isn't necessarily to tell her to be herself Mm. um it's telling her that she'd look really pretty if she put her hair up or if she put a little bit of mascara on or some lipstick, um, you know, that's how she's trying to encourage her, which I think maybe is a sign of the times in 1976 yeah. uh, that maybe wouldn't sit so well now in terms of, you know, if if you want to feel better about yourself, then you have to start looking better mm. rather than being who you are. But that's... But also, and it, it's going back to, you know, what Carrie wants. And Carrie just wants... That's yeah. what Carrie wants. Well, it's kind of like... She wants to be a normal girl. She wants to be pretty. She she just wants to fit in. It's kind of like the gym teacher's the uh, the angel on her shoulder and the, her mum's the devil on the other side. Yeah, exactly. The gym teacher's kind of the mother that she never had. Yeah. Um, which is quite sad. Really, you know, this is a tragic. I do see this as a tragic. Well, the gym film. teacher thinks Tommy Ross is really cute. Um, no, he's not. But um, <laughs> he's cute for seventy six. <laughs> um, Were you thinking seventy six? Who else was seen as a hottie? The Bee Gees. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he is going after that sort of style. So <laughs> um, then we get. <laughs> it's it's quite. It's quite funny the way this is edited. You get her, like, to uh, to carry on. No, nothing's going on. It's all right. She just wants to take you to the prom. The next thing, she's there with Tommy and uh, 
And soon she's like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like, you know, what are you doing? But she she's asking those questions that she knows Carrie can't ask. Yeah, and she, she even says to Tommy at one point, don't you think you look a little silly going to prom with Carrie? Yeah. You know, and... Um, but it's... it's um, in this scene, it, you know, Tommy might as well not be there. Yeah. It's Sue and the gym teacher. Again, it's a, it's a male character that's just there, a means yeah. to an end. And this is where Sue says, we don't care what people think. Yeah. yeah. And, and she, she is talking on Tommy's behalf. And she says she just wants Carrie to feel included. Yeah. And, you know. And to be normal. It's, yeah. I think it's their last prom. It's the last chance for Carrie. Yeah. And also, you know, Sue's guilt mm. as well plays would play a massive part. Um, there's a weird thing here, and um, in in all sort of great tragedies, um, a lot of the outcomes are based on some form of coincidence or or something yeah. that should, you know, maybe shouldn't be. But she says. If Tom, if Tommy's taking Carrie, then Sue can't go to the prom because mm. you have to have a date. What backwards bullshit is that? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm like, it, do you know what? If Sue could have just went to the fucking prom, <laughs> if, if you could go to the prom mm-hmm. without having to have a date, then they could have just said, Carrie, come along with us. Yeah. You know? And then we've had none of these issues. It's true. I, f- I find it absolutely insane to tell somebody that they have to be in a goddamn relationship or they're not allowed to partake. It's, it in is the weird. Prom. Yeah. I, I don't get how I don't it works. know if it that was like very strange. A, a rule in 76, if that's sort of how it was back then. It, it appears to be that way in most films that include prom what scenes. A, what a bag of shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've never really agreed with the whole prom thing. I think it's really weird. I, I don't. But also, I don't that get is it. that society, and and again, the role of women. Yeah. In society, is you know she's being told, and in in you know, there was never a question that Carrie was going to go mm. to the prom anyway. If Tommy wasn't going to ask her, she wasn't going to find a fella herself. Yeah. So because she can't find a man, or or you know, she's not allowed. To go to the prom, she's not allowed to partake. So not only does she have to fit in with the girls, mm-hmm. or she's going to be ridiculed and she's going to, you know, be bullied. She also has to fit in with the men, or she can't partake yeah. in the prom and be a normal person. Yeah, it's it's all very weird. And then the woman at home is constantly telling her that, you know, all these things that she wants are inherently awful mm-hmm. and you know sinful and wrong yeah but she sees that as just being a woman mm-hmm. that's what you know women should do and it, it, and I know we're talking in 2020 and these aren't necessarily things that we would say now mm. but in 76 you know that's yeah. what a normal girl would want yeah no absolutely well, after this, um, Tommy goes to Carrie's house to convince her to go to the prom with him. Um, she says she's already said no, and he says, girls change their mind all the time. Um, we all change our minds. It's very, uh, very, what's the word for it? Condescending. Very, well, yeah, very condescending. You can see Carrie trying to, you know, usher him off because 
her mum's there, and if she catches him at the door, she's going to go fucking crazy. Um, but she says, she says yes to him to get rid of him. Um, and then after this, we see Billy, Chris and Billy's friends, go and kill a pig with uh, a uh, petrol holder. What the fuck do you call that? That they put the blood in? Oh, I don't know. Either way, they go... It's a sledgehammer th- that they use. Yeah, they, yeah, but then to put the blood in after, it's... Uh, Oh yeah, what you put can. petrol in? Yeah, um, yeah. So they're going to get some blood from a pig. Yeah. So these again, these these three. Um, we have we even been introduced? No, to we, these I, male I, characters? I don't even know their names. Like and Billy again. These are just three male characters, a means to an end because Chris would never dream of doing it herself. No, you know, but she takes great pleasure in watching Billy kill that pig. Yeah. So then Carrie tells Margaret that she's uh, been asked to the prom and get some water thrown on her. And in this scene, the lightning and effing is edited perfectly to match with their conversation. Um, They have a conversation about it. Uh, Margaret tells Carrie, and after the blood come the boys. Uh, And then Carrie actually uses a telekinesis on the situation she's in with her mum, shuts all the windows... Uh, stands up for herself, gets called a witch, and uh, and then we get a bit of exposition from Carrie about a telekinesis, where she starts telling the mum that it's normal, you know, other people have got it, and uh, and yeah, that's pretty much that scene. Yeah, and it's it, again, it's reiterating the idea that Margaret White thinks that being a woman inherently makes you evil yeah <laughs> essentially you know it, it's crazy to think you come in from a woman um but just being a woman a normal woman mm. is is wrong yeah and um you know th- there was no way carrie was going to stop her period no matter, you know she said that the period came along because she was having sinful thoughts or mm. or being sinful like chance would be a fine thing for the poor girl she don't fucking do anything no one talks to her you know um and she's still got her period and with the blood come the boys um i think yeah she's she's a self-hater really you you know yeah she's uh it's she's a weird one yeah, after this we see Billy and Chris setting up the pig's blood in the school uh, and then we see Carrie making her prom dress whilst uh, her mum's in a bit of praying, rocking backs and forwards next to her. And then we get some more funky music, a bit of uh, guitar with some wire pedal on it um, whilst we see a montage of people getting ready for the prom. Yeah, this is a weird one for me. I, d- I don't really get it. Um, so Tommy... I think what the scene's trying to... Do, it, this is the one where they go shopping for tuxedos, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, excuse me. So I think we get the juxtaposition between Billy and Carrie getting ready. Mm. So Carrie's making her own dress. She's gone to buy some makeup. Yeah. Or, or steal some makeup, because you don't actually see her buying any. Um, but she's in the shop and she's trying on this lipstick and she's getting a weird look from the woman at the counter. Mm-hmm. Um, she's all alone. Whereas Tommy's got his two friends that we weren't really introduced to before, these two male characters, and they're having a fun time and they're having a joke and a laugh. 
and buying these tuxedos. I think it's that juxtaposition between the two and how they're both pairing Carrie still very much alone. Mm -hmm. And it, it... I don't know, I suppose it is a bit of a sad fact, is that, yeah, Tommy said, come to the prom, but there's no one... She hasn't got friends helping her get ready. No. You see Norma and the girl with the giant glasses. Mm-hmm. You know, they're getting ready together, getting their hair done at the salon. Yeah. Um, and Carrie hasn't got anyone. No. And Carrie getting ready continues on to uh, her back at home... And this is when all the quotes come out from Margaret White. So first she tells her she can see her dirty pillows. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. So she's told, no, they're breasts. Um, and Margaret starts hitting herself and pulling her own hair. Then she's like, they're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> you do your impression. With, with they're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> yeah, so she tells her that. And uh, Carrie uses the telekinesis to push her down. And she leaves, and then we get the prom scene with the best band in the world playing one of the best songs ever made. Very funky. <laughs> it's um, some lyrics about being a maniac. Um, what is it? High school. It's no preschool or something like that. High school. Preschool. Yeah. The education bru- blues. <laughs> um, and the, the <laughs> dancing is so 70s. The hairstyles are so 70s. It's fucking great. And it's instantly recognisable from the trailer. It's the first thing you hear on the trailer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's uh, <laughs> very 1976. Yeah. Very, a lot of ruffles as well. Um, so Carrie goes into the prom. Uh, the gym teacher's there. She tells her how beautiful she is. Tells her a story about her prom. Uh, and then her and Tommy have a slow dance, which results in a, in a kiss, eventually. And a lot of fast spinning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's telling her everything she wants to hear. You know, he, 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 you'd think they were, you know, an actual couple at the prom. Well, everyone seems, when they walk in together, everyone seems so shocked. Yeah. Or, or they're laughing at, at Carrie, but they, they seem quite shocked at the fact that Carrie actually looks nice. Yeah. And one reason she's looking nice is because she has a smile in her face. Yeah, yeah. It's the first time... Uh, as as far as I can recall, throughout the whole film, and we are quite far into the film now, mm. where we see Carrie smile. Yeah, you know, and you know, she's where she wants to be, mm-hmm. and y- you can see it. And it, it's a wonderful performance by Sissy Spacek because she can do those two. Yeah. Um, and with great ease as, as well. And it is those little things that she does. Um, and we really feel for Carrie in this scene. And, we're, and we know what's going to happen. We know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Brian De Palma knows that we know. Mm. Because he keeps going back to that bucket of blood there. Yeah. We know it's going to happen. And that's such a, a wonderful tension builder. Yeah. Seeing that bucket of blood and it's shaking and, you know, um, the blood's moving in because it's quite a full bucket as well. Mm. And uh, it, it's great. And, yeah, the, the gym teacher comes over and says how beautiful she is and um, starts talking about herself for some reason and a tall <laughs> date for her prom. Uh, <laughs> I don't really, don't really know why she's sitting there talking about herself all of a sudden. Uh, and they do go for a dance 
and uh, it's a lovely song as well. It's mm. by uh, Katie Irving, who's Amy Irving's sister. Oh. And it's a very... The, the lyrics are very literal, aren't yeah. they? Uh, I never dreamed someone like you could want someone like me. Mm. There must be a God. Could it be that he's heard me at last? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure about that reference to God. Because <laughs> any of a reference in this film to God has been very negative. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and it's a dizzying camera because we're quite low. Yeah. And they're just spinning and spinning and spinning. So they're going in the opposite direction to the camera. Um, it's quite disorientating, but it's also quite a beautiful moment yeah. as well. Uh, again, I, I feel I it's think that's meant to be. Yeah, I think that's meant to be how Carrie's feeling in that yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, because it is all moving quite fast for her, considering. You know, it was only a few days ago that she was being laughed at for having a period in the showers. Yeah, it's very true. Um, and yeah, it's a good it's a good way of showing how far she's came um, within that time. Uh, after this, they're given a the vote and slips out. Uh, Norma and Billy's friend with a cap, who we don't really know who fucking is still. And um, they get a vote and slips and... Uh, B- Billy? Uh, Tommy says, to the devil with false modesty. And they vote for themselves for the qu- king and queen of prom. And then we get to see Margaret cup, uh, chopping some carrots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it turns out that Tommy and Carrie are up for prom queen and king. And uh, again, um, this the whole thing could have been stopped if Carrie had said, actually, I don't want to go up for prom yeah. queen and king. I don't feel comfortable. Just being here is enough for me. Um, but no, you know, to the devil with false modesty. We will go up for it. We will vote for ourselves. And why not? Why shouldn't they? Yeah. You know? And it, ultimately, it doesn't matter that they voted for themselves. No. Does it? No, not really. Because it's all fixed. It's all fixed anyway. Yeah. And, and we realise that when uh, Norma and her, her date uh, take in the ballots, hide yeah. the majority of them and put some false ones through. So... Do you know what she she could have that moment voting for herself? It's not, it's not against the law. No, but the carrot chopping. <laughs> well, there ain't much carrots being chopped, and it's quite. I'm not really sure. You just get this scene you from just, above in the so kitchen. It's from above, I, I love a fantastic camera angle from Brian De Palma though. Yeah, I love it, and it's just the top of her red, big bushy hair. And she's hold, she's holding the knife and just like I don't know whacking how to it describe. down. Just yeah, just I don't. Like, she's not even looking where she's chopping, but no. she's, you know she's cutting this carrot and well the carrot goes flying and yeah. she's just cutting nothing. <laughs> yeah, even though there's loads of veg there, I don't know why she's got that much veg on the go. Um, so uh, <laughs> one of the more iconic scenes. So Tommy and Carrie win uh, the Queen and King prom. Of whatever it's called, and again, you know, obviously it's fixed, and this is the the m- biggest tension builder of the whole film. This yeah. scene because it goes on for so long; it's all in slow motion. Again, it's going in between them and the bucket of blood, and you, Sue Snell's snuck in at this stage, and she's watching from behind the stage. She doesn't know what's going to happen. Chris is watching behind the stage. She does know what's going to happen, and. Yeah, it's just so intense. You know me and my hatred for... Slow-mo. Inappropriate <laughs> slow-mo. Yeah. 
This is the best shoes. Why slow mo was invented. Yeah. This build. There's so much going on. There is, you know, they they made their way up to the stage. Yeah. We've got Chris and Billy just waiting to pull that string, uh, Chris in particular, and it 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 is very much Chris's decision to pull the string. Um, Sue's there. Um, she's watching. She slowly notices. Yeah. The the rope. And where the rope leads and what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. The gym teacher is so pleased. And she notices Sue. And um, throws Sue out. Yeah. Before Sue can really explain what's happening and what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Carrie's crowned in the process. She is. And then they have the pitch taken and... Is it Chris that lets the blood go? It is, yeah. yeah. And, it, it, and it had to be Chris. Yeah. Because, again, this is a film mm-hmm. where women make all of the narrative decisions. Yeah. All of them. So it had to be Chris that pulled that yeah. rope. And then the blood goes flying and in one of the most iconic scenes from any horror film, blood hits Carrie over the head as she's covered in it. And the sound editing in this scene... Oh, my God. I'm surprised this wasn't nominated for an Oscar for yeah. sound editing because this is phenomenal. All you can hear is the bucket swinging. You can't hear enemy catch. You can see people... This is when they start and, laughing and, at and her. the dripping noise as well. Yeah, the dripping it? noise. You know, you can see Tommy's trying to find out what's going on. He's talking, but all you can hear is just that bucket and the and the dripping. Uh, it's It's incredible. Um, the bucket actually then falls and kills Tommy. I've never really understood it this. It knocks him out. I'm, I'm not sure if... A, I don't know how heavy that bucket was. Yeah, the same thing happens in the remake. And it, it kind of it kills him straight up. Oh, okay. It doesn't in this head. one because they're carrying him away. They try to carry him out. Mm. Uh, and then that's when shit hits the fan. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it hits Tommy and he's knocked to the, to, to the ground. Yeah. And... Uh, Carrie has... Now, obviously, this is open for interpretation. I believe it's Carrie... Um, hallucination. Yeah, I, I think it makes part. more sense. It makes more sense. It makes more this. sense, because I genuinely don't think that that gym teacher would laugh at her. No. Um, but this is... She imagines... I'm going to say imagines, because that's what I believe, um, that the whole room is laughing at her. Um, including the gym teacher, who was a surrogate mother for her, Mm. um, even just for a few days, but, you know, who was there to protect her. And, again, she's alone on this stage with what she feels is the whole world against her. She thinks that her mum was right. Mm. (laughs) Her mum was correct And they are all going to laugh at her Yeah But I also feel like this hallucination came Because her mother said that Yeah She was expecting everybody to Yeah Like subconsciously You know the moment this happened She said shit They are all going to laugh at me Yeah And Chris and Billy managed to get out Yeah the split screen comes in And the lighting goes red yeah. Uh, and then she goes on a telekinesis killing spree. 
She does, mainly with a hose. Yeah, death by hose pipe. Yeah, with electrocution. Death by electrocution. Oh, that's, I love that moment yeah. where the two are fighting over the microphone and the hose sprays the microphone and they both get electrocuted. Yeah. Norma's killed by a hose pipe. She um, is, yeah. The gym teacher's killed by a fallen object. And this is the only version of Carrie where the gym teacher's killed. Ah. Oh. Yeah, in every other version she lives. Um, in the remake, she's played by... Um, oh, why can I not think of her name? Karen Strode from Halloween. Judy Greer. Judy Greer. And, yeah, and again, she's saved and actually doesn't die in that. But this how is the only version she, How is she, she saved? Um, Carrie, like, lifts her up and... Throws her out, oh. so she doesn't die. Oh, I don't know if she lives in the book. I think yeah, she does. Yeah, she gets a new job after. Oh, does she? Yeah. So, so this, this is, is the, the only, only version, version where she dies. And it, it's probably the death that hits. Yeah, yeah. Hit me the hardest. Yeah. yeah. Because it, it wasn't deserved. Yeah, I, I think that's what kind of make, turns her into an antagonist in the scene because that's where you really see she's killing innocent people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, everything goes crazy. The school sets on fire, and Carrie leaves. The shot of her leaving the school is amazing. And uh, she's walking down the street and Chris and Billy are driving down. And uh, she makes their car flip over and explode. Yeah, so Chris um, and Billy have seen what's happened. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> um, I don't know why. Uh, after watching somebody kill somebody with a hose, mm. did they think that running her over would be a great yeah. idea? Um, but tries to run Carrie over. Obviously, she flips the car. It explodes. They both die. Yeah. Thank God. And thank God. Um, we the... thought they were going to get away with it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Carrie goes home. There's candles everywhere unattended. Your worst nightmare. Oh, my God. So many unattended candles. She uh, goes upstairs to take a bath. And Margaret's standing behind the door looking fucking terrifying. Yeah, so we're back to the beginning now. Yeah. Es- essentially. Yeah, yeah. We've got Sissy Spacek washing herself, mm-hmm. using soap on her face, which horrifies me. Because <laughs> um, it's going to dry your skin out, love. Don't use soap on your face. Um, yeah, and she's washing this blood away. Now, I'm sure there's some wonderful metaphor here. Yeah. Uh, for the life it's of come me. full circle it, it has come well essentially yeah you know she started bathing and mm-hmm. she's you know washing I don't know is it washing the sins away or um, yeah I don't know actually with this one so um, you know she gets out of the bath she bumps into her mum and she's like you know they all laughed at me and uh, Margaret starts to explain about when Carrie was conceived um, it, it kind of sounds a little uh I don't know, it starts off sounding a bit rapey, but then it goes on to her saying how she enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, but then she kind of blames herself for enjoying it. And she says that she should have killed herself after yeah. it happened. Or, and should have killed Carrie in the womb. Yeah. So after this, um, they start praying together. Carrie's quite up for it now, you know. she She's very much on her mum's side, but then her mum stabs her. Because her mum was right. Or she feels that her mum Yeah, she right. feels that her mum was right. And, you know, just when she goes to that side with her mum, her mum stabs her in the back. Like, literally. Yeah, literally stabs her um, in the back. Carrie falls downstairs and Margaret goes after her. And using the telekinesis, Carrie sends loads of knives flying into Margaret and crucifies her, which is a very, very... The, the image of it is just 
terrifying yeah, it is. Um, within yeah. the film. It, it's placed perfectly. Yeah. And as Margaret dies, it's almost as if she's... She's enjoying it. an orgasm. Yeah. Really. Yeah, it, she's making orgasm noises. You can see she's smiling, she's loving it, um, and she dies. Yeah. Uh, Kelly... Uh, Kelly? Carrie uh, pulls Ellie. her down from... Uh, <laughs> Karen pulls her down from Karen? Uh, where she uh, I said Carrie pulls her down from where she crucified her and the house fucking collapses a very Stephen King thing um Derry collapses in it spoiler alert oh, okay. in the novel the whole town um yeah so the house collapses and then we get to see Sue who's having a dream about visiting the uh, the rubble of the house uh, and there's a sign that says Carrie uh Carrie White burns in hell, uh, and on a for sale sign. I'm sure there's some symbolism in that. Yes. Uh, and as she reached down to put flowers on that for sale sign, um, which is shaped like a cross, a hand reaches up in one of the most infamous jump scares of all time. Yeah. Uh, I I don't get how this made anyone jump. Oh my god, it made me jump first. Really? Time I watched it. Yeah. Oh, this has never got me because you see the hand coming out first. What do you mean? Like, because you see a hand coming up before the noise jump comes in, that's, no, yeah. that's why it's never... The hand makes you jump. Okay. Fair jump enough. Jump scares based purely on changes in volume yeah. are cheap as fuck. I know. But either way, yeah, so... It... The one in Jaws didn't uh, the... rely on that. True. Well, either way, it didn't get me. Well, it should have. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, so then... Uh, Sue wakes up freaking out, her mum's calming her down, and fun fact, in the scene, uh, Sue's mum was actually shouting, Amy, calm down, because of how crazy she was going, but obviously the music's so loud you can't hear her say it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of the film. Yes. That's Carrie. That is Masterpiece Carrie. Yeah, one of the greatest <laughs> horror films of all time. It really stars, is. Without doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's a great... You know, it's a great example of women in horror. It you know, it really does show you every angle of women in horror. Yeah. Within the film. And and women in general. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it you know, and it's not always flattering. No. It's not always positive. Um and I'm sure this conversation we could sit here for three hours oh, yeah. talking about this. Um I could write a bloody essay. On it, and I'm sure many, many people have, yeah. and it's one I would definitely like to go out and start reading up on, um, because this is ripe for analysis. Yes, really, and we've just touched the surface just with our own opinions. Yeah. If you haven't seen Carrie, then I don't know what you're doing. Just watch it. Yeah. I hear Yeah. Um. Next week. I put a poll out earlier to, for people to vote on either Jennifer's Body or Evil Dead to give us a more modern look at women in horror. At the moment, Evil Dead, the 2013 reboot slash sequel, is winning. So it could be that, um, but, you know, things could change. The poll ends on Friday, so get voting if you haven't already. And, uh, yeah, so thanks for listening. If you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and like and follow on everything else. Uh, we're on social media, Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm Gazmo205 on Instagram, GazCruise92 on Twitter, DeadAtGaz92 on Letterboxd. I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram, Letterboxd and Twitter. And that's all. So we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.